0: Elijah Johnson was born a free man in Virginia in the late 1700s. Elijah fought against the British in the War of 1812. And then a few years later, he packed his family up, boarded a ship headed for Africa and went looking for his new home.
1: He was one of the, the people that jumped the chance to leave this country and go to where they could find true freedom.
0: For two years, Elijah and the 87 other passengers searched for a permanent place to call home.
1: They felt it somewhere in their bones and said, I'm leaving everything and I'm going to this place and I'm going to make this place my home.
0: The place they made their home? Providence Island, off the western coast of Africa. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura. A celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we look at the journey of those 88 African Americans and hear how that journey to Providence Island set the stage for what would become the country of Liberia. More after this. along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. For your next vacation spot, check out Texas for their vast landscape of culture, regions, destinations, and activities. Explore 350 miles of coastline and every kind of hiking trail from strenuous to wheelchair accessible. Enjoy world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Travel Texas even offers an online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours.
1: My great-great-great-grandfather is Elijah Johnson. He's considered one of the founding fathers of Liberia.
0: This is Dr. Clarice Ford Kula. When Clarice's great-great-great-grandfather, Elijah, and the 87 other passengers of the Elizabeth left New York in 1820, they actually didn't set out for Liberia. They were heading to Sierra Leone, also on the western coast of Africa. At the time, Sierra Leone was a colony established by the British for Black loyalists who wanted to return to Africa. So it seemed like a natural destination for African-Americans who were looking to do the same. Black loyalists even wrote letters encouraging them to come back to Africa. But when the Elizabeth, with its 88 passengers, arrived in Sierra Leone, things did not go as planned. This was less than a decade after the War of 1812. So the British, who had fought against the Americans in that war, were not so into the idea Of sharing an African colony with the United States. Tensions ran high, and the British only offered the land that no one else wanted. After over a year, the travelers decided that Sierra Leone was not going to be it. They'd have to keep searching for their home. So they took to the sea again, this time heading south to what is now Liberia, they negotiated with local chiefs to buy a small 11-acre island, originally named DeZoa by the locals. But the settlers renamed it Providence Island.
1: When they got there, my great 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 made a very famous statement. Many people did not want to get off the boat. So he was like, two long years, I have sought a home. Here is where I found that home is where I'm going to stay. Providence Island is where they established themselves. It's where they understood that, even though we're downtrodden in America, made to feel like we're nothing, we're going to make something out of this nothing. You get what I mean? There wasn't anything there on the island that was so special, but they were there and they had to create homes for themselves. And they did that.
0: Why did these 88 people take to the sea and risk the unknown for something new?
2: You find a kind of longing for what was perceived as home. Uh that lasted in the African-American community forever, since since people were brought forcibly, you know, to the Americas.
0: This is renowned Liberian scholar, Dr. C. Patrick Burroughs. If you pick up a book on the history of Liberia, there's a pretty good chance that he wrote it. The idea for a colony in Africa for African-Americans began all the way in the early 1800s with free African-Americans like successful businessman Paul Cuffee. He promoted Black self-reliance and began plans for a Black repatriation to Africa. But the plan won government support because repatriation was useful to the U.S. government.
2: And the initial support was an effort to solve two problems at the same time.
0: The first problem was that the federal government had banned the importation of enslaved people from Africa. The only thing was, this practice was very much still happening illegally. So when these boats were captured, the authorities faced a dilemma. What would they do with the captives aboard?
2: So if you intercept the ship off Savannah, let's say, do you then turn these captured Africans over to local authorities? If you do, very likely they will be sold into slavery. So you defeat the whole purpose. So the idea was the U.S. needed to support a colony or some Society in Africa where people taken off those ships would be settled.
0: And the second problem that a colony in Africa solved for people at the time was that there were starting to be a lot of free African Americans in the northern cities. And even though slavery wasn't allowed in the north, it was still pretty racist. And a lot of northerners wanted these free African Americans to live somewhere else. And this new colony would be overseen by the American Colonization Society, which had some members of government in it, but wasn't officially affiliated with the federal government.
2: So it was almost, you know, like a formalistic, we're going to create this sort of safe distance so we, we don't get implicated if things don't go well.
0: Repatriation started with those initial 88 passengers on the Elizabeth. But over the course of the 19th century, more than 15,000 free African-Americans would take up the American Colonization Society's offer to return to Africa. Business people, barbers, folks with skills, people who just wanted a shot at controlling their destiny went and began anew in Liberia. And if 15,000 people doesn't sound like a lot of folks jumping at the chance to move to Africa, well, the move came with risks. Some feared being captured into slavery once there. The trade in enslaved Africans had been outlawed by the British and the US, but other countries like Portugal and Spain were still very much taking part.
2: You also had the idea of racism uh, applied to geography, meaning that Africa, the continent, was envisioned by a lot of folk in the most negative way. So everything that would be undesirable was perceived as tied to Africa. That, That polarity of view was already dominant. Europe, great. Africa, bad. Africa, primitive. Africa, dangerous. You can
0: imagine many people didn't want to leave the only home that they had ever known for someplace halfway around the world that they had never been. What would they find when they got there? How would they be treated? In fact, there were some locals in Liberia who were not so welcoming to the new settlers, going so far as to attack settlements. But Dr. Burroughs explained that other native Liberians were excited to welcome their fellow Africans.
2: Transcripts revealed that some of them were saying, these are our relatives who are coming back, who want to come back. They're entitled to be here, you know, like any of us. The relationship for the most part was not only harmonious, but it was mutually beneficial, right? Um, We're talking about Black folks going to the cotton in the early 1800s. There are many commonalities that still existed culturally.
0: Things like rice being a food staple or the outward expression of religious worship, they may not have been exactly the same, but they were close enough for bonds between the African-Americans and the native people of Liberia to form. From Providence Island, the settlement expanded. In 1824, it was named Liberia, and its capital was called Monrovia, after the U.S. President James Monroe. And this growing settlement became a haven for African people from all over.
2: So African-Americans arrived, they built this town that became Monrovia, and uh, the historical record is clear. There are local people who are being pursued by slave-catchers, and they're fleeing to take refuge in Monrovia. —
0: Liberia was a safer place to be because it was a settlement established even from an arm's length by the United States and recognized by the Western powers, unlike the rest of Western Africa, where Africans were still having their societies raided and people kidnapped by Europeans. Liberia declared independence in 1847, the first country in Western Africa to do so. And this early liberation cemented the country as a beacon for African-Americans and Africans from all over the world, seeking a new beginning and an escape from the persecution that so many African descendants faced in the Western world. In the 1920s and 30s, businessman and political activist Marcus Garvey formed an organization called the Universal Negro Improvement Association. And it called for African-Americans and the rest of the African diaspora in general to move back to Africa and to Liberia specifically. In fact, Dr. Bros is the child of Jamaican immigrants who were members of Garvey's organization and who moved to Liberia in the latter years of the movement.
2: They actually had a debate as to whether they should name me Liberia. (laughs) That was my dad's idea. You know, um, my mom wasn't having it.
0: And Dr. Clarice Ford Kula, great, great, great granddaughter of Elijah Johnson, is the latest in a long tradition of people urging Black Americans to go back to Liberia just for a visit. She founded an organization called Year of the Diaspora to form a stronger connection between African Americans and Liberia. She says this year, the 200th anniversary of that initial arrival at Providence Island makes the perfect time for a trip.
1: I want to call the African-Americans back to Liberia, okay, because they came. That is what this 1822 to 2022 is going to mark. They came here. The ancestors came here. It's important because you need to know that your ancestors left these shores and felt it wise to experience true freedom by going to a place they had not been than their ancestors that had not been in years, they had never seen. That's bravery. So it's important for you to know your people are a brave set of people.
0: It took Elijah Johnson and those first settlers two years to find their new home. Today, the trip from New York City is just a five and a half hour flight. And when you're there, you can walk over a bridge to Providence Island, which is still one of the most visited places in Liberia. No one lives there anymore, but you can see an old well and a small building from the early days of the settlement. Today, Liberians like Dr. Clarice Ford Kula and Dr. C. Patrick Burroughs are encouraging folks to make that trip to Liberia and learn about its history. Because, after all, Liberia and Providence Island are part of American history. I want to give a special thanks to Dr. Clarice ford Kula and Dr. C. Patrick Burroughs for sitting down with us to tell us the story of Providence Island. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was produced by Baudelaire Seuss. The production team includes
2: Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka,
1: Camille Stanley,
0: Willis Ryder-Arnold,
1: Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, Gianna Palmer,
2: Tracy Samuelson,
1: John Delore.
0: Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was sound designed and mixed by Luce Fleming. If you want to learn more, be sure to visit atlasobscura.com. There is a link in the episode description. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tindall. I'm Dylan Thurist. wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. Witness Docs
1: from Stitcher.